Live at LV Ballpark for Rebels Baseball, it's Cofield and Company. Rebound taken down by Parsons. That'll do it for the first time in NCAA history. Not only are the San Diego State Aztecs going to the Elite Eight, but the Mountain West will be represented in the Elite Eight. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Ah, great. Yeah, Mountain West. Let's all, let's all root for all the Mountain West schools. We'll get into that. Opening things here on a Tuesday. Willie Ramirez, Cofield, LV Ballpark. UNLV's taking on Arizona State at 6 o'clock. You can get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com. Tickets start at 25 bucks. So come on out. Great experience here at the ballpark. Perfect night for baseball. A little breeze blowing out towards left field. And again, a 6.05 first pitch for the Hustlin' Rebels taking on Arizona State. Yep, it's final four week as we get ready for the shindig down in Houston. We'll be on the road for two shows live from Houston at Westwood One's Radio Row. Um, and I'll repeat again, I will not be rooting for San Diego State, but I'm different than I guess everyone else, so. I don't care what the rest of the conference does. I've never cared what the rest of the conference does. And any conference that I've worked around or, you know, my school was in, I don't root for other schools. Your school's not in this anyway. You, you really don't have a dog in the fight. I, don't so, root for, so, so, I, I wouldn't so root for any Big Ten school now that they're in the Big Ten. When they were in the Big East, I didn't root for other Big East schools when they were in the Atlantic Ten, F the rest of the Atlantic Ten. So I don't understand this logic of like, yay, and I whatever I you know I I respect you know Willie said uh, you know we were talking about who to root for who not to root for if it's not UNLV that's okay I saw Wink Adams say uh, you know hey you know root for the conference that's cool just not my cup of tea I don't like San Diego State and I don't like them especially now that they're going to bail on the conference anyway I will root for the greatest storyline so basically I'm rooting for Florida Atlantic. I can go with that. That's 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 how I look yeah. at it. I can go with Miami I, since Jim Beheim accused them of buying their way to the table. And I will not who root didn't, for Which I, team didn't? I will not root for UConn. So FAU is pretty much my shin my uh my rooting interest. I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you because it's 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 the the one nobody expected to get there and the one nobody expects to win it. So I want them to win it. Yeah. I like Jim Lar- Larnega. He's a guy who's in his seventies and um, not all 70-year-olds act like this. My parents don't. Uh, but, you know, doesn't shack the fool. Isn't shaking the fist of the sun, 70-year-old guy. He's still pretty cool. So there you go. But San Diego State, nah. You're bundled up. You're, you're kind of huddled into your yourself. Well, we're, we're on the concourse, Willie, and I expect once the sun goes down even further later on, it'll get a little bit chilly. I'm not I, – like, we've had four months of this weather, and I'm not complaining. I'm just not cut out for it. I'm – chubby but not well insulated my blood is thinned out to nothing it's like hot sauce i get cold man jersey, i'm an old wimp you're a jersey guy i'm an old wimp it's like half my life has been here i love the I know what you're talking about the jersey what everybody's talking about come on it's late in march where's the vegas weather no this is fine let's, leave it, it, let's leave it right like it is it is it is nice I'm not complaining but i'm going to dress appropriately i don't like being cold i underdressed uh, during a trip to Boise, and I was miserable the whole time. I dressed too lightly and then got there, and I'm like, okay, 34 is cold. When was this? I don't know. Whenever they played him. February? 
Okay, well, if, if, you if, played if, you're, if, you're, if you're underdressing in Boise, Idaho in February, well, then that's on you. I mean, well, nobody, I mean, come on, you got to think. I mean, underdress like, is, I brought, say, a vest and a sweatshirt, and I should have brought one of the big boy jackets that I have. What are you wearing right now? A vest and a sweatshirt. Oh, okay. Right. That's, but I don't think it's going to, by the end of the show, I don't think it'll be, like, in the 30s. Well, you never know. But, because we are right, I mean, think about it, we are right by Red Rock. I mean, we're 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 stone throw here. away from where I mean, we could look out this concourse gate right here, and I could show you the the mountain I've climbed. Yeah, Turtle Head Peak. Okay. So, so how many people have you talked to that are like, "Yay, San Diego State"? Who are from Vegas? I mean, we know Stormy Bonatoni because she went to San Diego State. She's going to join us tomorrow. But how many people are UNLV fans? And they're like, "Yeah, I'm going to root for the team in the conference. It's good for the conference." They're leaving. They're going to the Pac-12 at some point. And yeah, I. For all the schools around the conference, the units that are pay- being picked up, the money that gets dispersed over six years, that is nice. I haven't talked to – there's not one person from Vegas, UNLV-related or Vegas-related. There's only two people I know that are San Diego State graduates. Uh, three, actually, but two that I've actually seen be excited, talk about it, and rooting, obviously, for San Diego, and they live in Vegas. But outside of that, nobody. Okay. Well, we're going to get the player's perspective. Younger player. We talked about Wink Adams saying, yeah, it's it's cool. You know, it's cool. My uh, my heart lies with UNLV, but it's good for the conference. Good for San Diego State. We're going to try to track down Jordan McCabe in just a little bit. want to remind everyone, we got a lot going on. So we're out here today at LV Ballpark getting ready for UNLV and Arizona State baseball game. On Thursday, Willie's part of a big deal over at SG. That's the elevated Sierra Gold that is at Flamingo. And 2.15. He'll be there from 6 to 8. Puck drop for a road game against the Sharks for the Knights is 7.30. Chance will be on the scene. The cheerleaders, the Vegas Vivas, will be there. Pitcher specials. They got a Ruben special. Love Rubens. Um, they've also got anything Jack Daniels yeah. is on special. And Willie be out there with prizes from SG and PTs and also from Lotus Broadcasting. So it's going to be a good time. He'll be out there from 6 to 8. Big day at college basketball talk we'll get into a little college football some baseball lindy larock is going to join us later it's a big day for unlv coaches and uh, athletes right here on cofield and company cofield and company is broadcasting live at the 2023 ncaa semifinals this thursday and friday from 3 to 6 p.m brought to you by fitly subaru of las vegas on rainbow in the 215 and online at subaru of las vegas.com with nine, McCabe dribbling out top to Gilbert. Gilbert back to McCabe, over to Harkless. Harkless back to McCabe, long three for Jordan McCabe. Is good, and that's the way the half ends. McCabe throwing in an absolute laser from about 25 feet. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live at LV Ballpark on ESPN Las Vegas. Yeah, big day of uh, UNLV action today here. Basketball highlight there on the way back. We're getting ready for a baseball game here against Arizona State. Later on the show, we're going to talk to Lindy LaRock, get a little recap of Lady Rebel season, and also look ahead to the women's Final Four. But we wanted to bring in uh, more of the experts, and I think Jordan McCabe's a pretty pretty good expert. He's already graduated to uh, levels way beyond us. He's a big-timer. It's Cofield and Willie, and Jordan is uh, on the horn. What's up, Jordan? 
Hey, how you doing? I don't know about all that, though. I, well, I, I appreciate you guys having me on. I was like, uh, we better get him before he's uh, starting to do stuff, uh, you know, with the network. So um, explain to people what you did with Bleacher Report this weekend around the uh, Sweet 16 and Elite Eight here in Vegas. Yeah, so, you know, as I as I kind of transitioned out of play. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We got him on a good hookup, too. We'll see if we can reconnect. He is across town. We got him on our Primo hookup. Knock on a plastic. Yeah, he did stuff for Bleacher Report, which is very cool. And for folks who didn't listen to the interview, I did an extended interview with uh, Jordan McKay back in January, and we actually talked about his social media awareness and all of the business he had. And it's not traditional NIL just through basketball. He was developing this brand a couple of years ago and using some of the resources from a studio standpoint, tech standpoint on the campus of UNLV, but he's been on TikTok for a while and between him uh, him, him and his girlfriend, I think they've got 600,000 followers. He's got like 225. She's got over 300. I think they combined have like 18 million likes. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. So I'm sure we'll ask him if we can get him back on. Um, what he thinks about the government, the Fed, trying to get rid of TikTok. Because it's a revenue stream for a lot of people. And, you know, it, it's funny. It's something I, I haven't really heard anyone say. And I'm not saying it's millions and millions and millions of people making money on social media, but especially TikTok. When people talk about young people not wanting to work, like they can't find anyone to work the traditional jobs that young people worked in the service industry, I wonder how many thousands, if not tens of thousands, of people are like, yeah, I make way too much money just being a social media influencer, working on TikTok or IG or some somewhere else. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not slinging drinks and getting people food. I mean, it's got to be. A, it's got to be a factor. One hundred percent. Right. You happen. I mean, you bring that up as an example, and I. I don't know if you. Yeah, he's back with us, Jordan. You back with us? Sorry about that. That's all right. It happens. That's all right. It happens. It, yep. yep. Uh, let's get uh, into, let's get into how you got the how Bleacher, you got Report, Bleacher gig. Report gig. Yeah, so, you know, like I was kind of saying, um, as I finished up my playing career, I had to decide if I wanted to continue playing, move into the coaching side of things, or try the media route. Um, all three things I, you know, knew were tied into basketball and something that I really enjoyed doing. So I told myself to keep all options open as I moved forward. So when Bleacher Report reached out and said the Sweet 16 Elite Eight out there in Vegas, um, is right down the street from you. Would you like to pretty much just pick up this freelance work for us, uh, do a few TikToks, um, make some content for Bleacher Report and March Madness, uh, and then is also do a few live streams off of our accounts? Um, I was ecstatic. Uh, try not to say no to any opportunities like that, just to try to get a feel um, of, of what that could look like in terms of that media option. And it was a ton of fun. I, I really did enjoy it. Uh, it's, it was a much different feeling walking through the tunnel in street clothes uh, <laughs> rather than running out and getting ready for warm-ups. So definitely an adjustment on that side of things, but I enjoyed it. I had fun with it, and um, you know, I was glad I got the opportunity. What was the coolest thing you did? Um, you, you know, The coolest thing we did with Bleacher Report was probably the fan interaction mm -hmm. uh, as well as maybe the, the live stream commentary. Uh, two reasons, fan inter interaction, 
What I mean by that is we would ask, you know, different fans, for example, what state is Gonzaga in? And you'd be you'd be shocked at, at how many people threw out the most absurd states. But um, we would do stuff like that. So that was super easy going and fun. Uh, but I also like the flip side of it where when we live streamed, they really wanted me to kind of try to connect the viewer who might be at home and a casual basketball fan to maybe a little bit more in depth of what a player is thinking and or feeling uh, during a game, after the game, as they're cutting down nets, um, or you know, after they had just won a Sweet 16 and now have to refocus for the Elite Eight. All these different, more nuanced ideas in basketball that, that maybe, like I said, the casual fan wouldn't understand. That was a lot of fun to try to bridge that gap. Well, and that's why having former players do this stuff, if they know what they're doing, if they're trained a little bit, I think you get it more than most former athletes because you watch stuff a little bit differently. You think a little bit differently. So let's put you on the spot here on the Sweet 16 game between Gonzaga and UCLA. What did you see at the end of the game there in terms of the coverage of the Julian Strother shot and uh, the UCLA side in general? Well, you know, UCLA, UCLA goes, I think, I think they broke the 10-minute mark without a field goal at one point yeah. in the second half. So they hit one of those droughts um, that in a game with that much attention on it, uh, every every shot carries a little bit more weight. Now that can also – that's why you love March because it can create weight in a positive way and it can create momentum. You start hitting a few shots uh, like UConn did the entire time they were here in Vegas. It can really work in your favor – UCLA found itself on the other side after really playing an unbelievable game um, against against Gonzaga in that Sweet 16 all the way up until a few shots didn't go. Um, you know, live and die by the three. I know a lot of people were saying seemed like they were settling late and maybe got tired, whatever, which I don't know if Mick Cronin's teams ever get tired, so I don't agree with that. But they couldn't get a shot to go, and, and, it, and it really started to feel like everyone – uh, was was kind of creating momentum in the opposite direction for them. Uh, but they still end up getting up one late, and I assume they were going to Timmy. Gonzaga was coming down, going to Timmy with about 11 seconds. But as everybody's seen now, right out of Jay Wright's Villanova playbook, uh, they run a, a play for Strother that is a th- for a three, um, which when I heard that was the drawn-up play and <laughs> asked for by Strother, it's why you love college basketball. There's no statistical reason you would ever say, yeah, let's pull this three. Right. When we have arguably the most skilled big, we're down one. But Strother's like, hey, I'm in my hometown uh, having, you know, a hell of a game already. Do you trust me to take it? And Mark Few's just like, absolutely. Uh, and, and that was cool to see. And Strother's hit that shot uh, this year for the win, I think, too, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, but yeah. Incredible game. Jordan McCabe's with us, former uh, UNLV basketball player, as he's uh, doing work with uh, Bleacher Report. He's obviously got a TikTok empire with uh, over 200,000 followers there, like 10, 11 million likes. So he's uh, very familiar with the social media stuff. So um, feel free to crush me, crush Willie on this stuff, on basketball analysis, because that's why you're on here, not just you know to crush us, but to give us real <laughs> honest analysis. So we asked Mark Few, at least the group did, after that really emotional win, they escape on the Strother shot. We're like, hey, how do you make sure your team is ready and up 
for the Elite Eight game, and I thought they got off to a slow start. And then once Timmy got in foul trouble, I thought they kind of broke. Do you think there was any carryover from such emotion, you know, in that win? Um, you know what? I, I don't think so. Uh, in my opinion, I don't I don't know how much because in March it's so survive and advance mentality. Uh, it doesn't matter how you do it. It's just let's get to the next round. Um, I would imagine a team like Gonzaga, who's used to being in Sweet 16s, used to being in Elite 8s, um, it, it was so hungry for a Final Four that, like I said, it wouldn't matter mentally for them how they got it done. Um, it might have tired them out a little bit more than, you know, what UConn did uh, to Arkansas uh, in just a boat race in the, in the first game. But I don't think that had too much of a carryover mentally in terms of, oh, man, we, you know, we got that win. With a team and a program that's so used to winning, they only had one goal, and that was to get to Houston. And really for that team specifically was win it all. Because uh, that's kind of been a question mark. Now you're here. You're here. Keep, keep going. So, yeah. No, that's, uh, that, that, that's what I kind of think about that. Um, honestly, I was more impressed that UConn was able to repeat um, their performance in the Elite Eight as they as they did in the Sweet 16. I think yeah. that's way more impressive in terms of getting guys to still be locked in after winning by 20-plus, whatever, and then repeat it against an even better team in Gonzaga was, was dominant. Speaking with Jordan McCabe, UNLV running Rebel turned media member. I guess you could For say, now. right? I think he's going to be turned coach or turned pro player somewhere else, but keep going. Uh, so, Jordan, I would like to know your thoughts on my take before the <laughs> tournament and still to this moment. And I actually, like this earlier this season, I've been saying is this. Gonzaga, for the longest time, has been compared to the old school runner rebel clubs, the mid-majors that, you know, wanted to get to – the peak of college basketball, the summit, if you will. And it took some time for Jerry Tarkany to get there, but I don't know, different breed, if you will. I am of the belief that when it comes up to it, Mark Few cannot coach the big games. He gets out coached by the big schools. We saw it against North Carolina. We saw it against Baylor. We've seen it when he gets bowed out against certain teams in the, in the, in the dance. It's one thing to put together these great rosters. It's one thing to put together a non-conference schedule. Hey, good for you. But you do this for one reason, and that is to win the first weekend in April. And Mark Few has not been able to do it. I stand by my word. He cannot coach against the big school coaches because he hasn't proven it yet. You know, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting take. You can go a couple different ways with it. Uh, the way I kind of view it, um, is is more from the perspective of, you know, I saw somebody put out that March Madness is the most entertaining way, but not the best way to crown a champion because it's just they, they don't feel that at any point, you know, the best teams are going to win. Now that's why you have a different format in the, in the NBA and it's more of a solidified, hey, you know, you had seven games to get it done. The best team came out on top, you know, little bit bigger bigger sample size here of games so it's much different and in the way that i i don't judge coach few on on his you know i guess inability to to win a national championship so far is just because of the the randomness of of march madness uh we see it right now 
there's just no way if you broke down everybody's strength of schedule in the tournament with their six game road or seven game if they had a play in, if you broke that down, there's just the odds can fluctuate so often. And, you know, thing there's just so much nuance to that that I know he catches a lot of flack for not being able to close it just yet. But I I don't think uh, I don't think that's gonna be an argument for long. Um, to be honest, I wouldn't be shocked if Timmy comes back. Um, he hasn't declared, right? He's no. he no, he hasn't declared, but he's also said that he that's a that's a he's he's done his time. He's he's moving on. He's he's, he's he's already made it clear that he's not. Now, I personally think that Timmy would make more money in overseas than he would in the NBA because I don't know if his if he's suited for the NBA. I mean, we saw some dominating moves and he he looked really good um, at times, but I I I think that he would thrive overseas because I think that he he might get beat up in the NBA. To be honest with you. Ooh. That's why I think last year when they came out of the combine, Julian Strother had higher marks out of those guys. Obviously, Chet Holmgren was the number, you know, the top prospect, but Julian Strother was slotted in as a late second rounder. Timmy wasn't even slotted in as a draft pick. And this year, there are mock drafts that have Strother going late first, early second, and some don't even have Timmy going at all. Yeah, you know, the the, the draft process is interesting too because it is from what it feels like, it's kind of shifting a little bit where it used to be all the young guys, uh, you know, it's still always going to be based off potential. Um, so where's where's this guy's ceiling at? That's kind of what, uh, you know, it feels like they try to figure out with every potential draft prospect. And you could make the argument with Timmy, well, he's not getting, he's not going to get much more athletic. Um, it, you know, his skill level is already so high that I don't know with his, given skill set and frame and all that how much more can we get out of timmy um but i think you have to take a different approach and i feel like the mentality is shifting a little bit as we see some guys who yeah sure hypothetically theoretically their their ceiling is very high and they're freaky athletes i'm not going to name names but they just don't pan out either other than you know sure they have a few big time stat lines here and there uh, but they just don't adjust to the fact that, once again, it's the same at that next level. We're trying to win a championship, trying to win a world championship. So it's going to take a team to look at Drew Timmy and realize at least maybe something that I saw here in Vegas was at his at – his, with his frame that isn't Zach Eady-like frame, um, how, how is it possible that he's so dominant – in this level of basketball where you can load the paint. So in the next level, you can't do that. And is he crafty enough to score at that next level? Um, but not only score, I think his basketball IQ is high enough to really help a team. And you look at same thing with Luca Garza, you know, he goes to, to Iowa and wins national player of the year. And he's, he's not on really any draft radar, but um, he, he's proven that he can still be a, some, somewhat of a weapon at the next level. And I think Timmy, you know, in my mind is different than Luca and has a lot of a lot of weapons that I think could help an NBA team. That's that's my I always try to hold out hope. I, I, I think I think there's a, a possibility that it happens. But yeah, Julian Strother, probably gonna have a super long NBA career. Anthony Black, these guys who, you know, just fit the mold. Absolutely. 
Yeah, I mean, one of the best stories of a guy who was not drafted and uh, you know seemed like a low prospect at the time is Chris Wood out of UNLV, and now he's made yeah. he's due to make over forty million dollars. So it's not an exact process. Uh, Jordan's going to stick around with us. We got about uh, five more minutes with him. Sit tight. On the way back, we'll get to the transfer portal again. People are freaking out, and also Jordan's take on SDSU, San Diego State making the Final Four. He was extremely successful. I mean, look at his record. I know he had a, he had a hard time staying healthy with us. The one year that he did stay healthy, it took us to the Super Bowl. Um, there was two other years that, you know, the, the next year that he stayed the most healthy, we went to the NFC Championship. Um, Jimmy played at an extremely high level for us and allowed us to win a lot of games, and he's a very good quarterback. Hanging at the LV Ballpark, it's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. That was uh, Lil Shanny, Kyle Shanahan, owners' meetings, Q's covering it down there over on Raider Nation Radio 920, talking about Jimmy G. We'll get into Garoppolo a little more, some interesting comments and convos today in Phoenix about Garoppolo. We'll do that after 5 o'clock. But right now we're talking to uh, UNLV basketball player Jordan McCabe. Jordan, uh, the last couple of things I want to get into. Let's talk San Diego State here in a second. But I don't know if you've seen some of the social media uh, reaction and, and TV uh, reaction, talking heads reaction on the transfer portal. You went through this process, and I have defended the transfer portal for a long time. You went through the process. Is the sport in trouble because of the transfer portal? Um, No. No, I don't think it's in trouble because of the transfer portal. I think it's different, and I think it's a change. Um, and Mick Cronin actually had a quote. Uh, it was directed towards NIL, but he said that um, there, there's a – uh, a key indicator, I'm going to butcher his quote, but there's a key indicator of a dying business if you sit in the boardroom and nothing changes. So um, with change, people adjust. Uh, with the, the rule change and the one-time transfer as well as COVID, I think we're just getting a huge influx of use of the transfer portal. And I was thinking about this today. I think there could be the leveling out of the transfer portal or let's just call it the stabilization because that's what everybody freaks out about is the big number um, of all everybody jumping ship. Uh, I think it's going to level out in one of two ways. First of all, the NCAA is going to come down with some different regulation um, now that we're kind of on the backside and out of having, you know, the COVID fifth years in college basketball and college athletics. So as the NCAA passes down new rules, going to make it harder to transfer a little bit uh, that will bring that number down as well as what people might not realize from an individual perspective. Um, the Those that enter the transfer portal who may not have a ton to show for themselves uh, or just end up in a difficult situation where mm -hmm. it doesn't work out for everybody, right? You, you get these certain, you know, stories of like a Marquise Noel uh, who goes from Little Rock to K-State and then becomes the you know face of the NCAA tournament with K-State but they see that in so many kids who are not in that position and didn't solidify their their talent level at their first school jump into the portal with this delusional mindset that they're then going to jump up levels uh, which just doesn't make sense in any market so I think as that starts to get realized and people around these players start to say, hey, you know, the portal's not a guaranteed deal. Also, the NCAA is coming out with new regulations on on what's an, uh, you know, what gets a waiver and what doesn't. 
Um, between those two things, I think it'll stabilize here soon. Jordan McKay is with us, a UNLV basketball player, uh, serving as analyst today, college basketball talk here on Cofield and Company. Last one, you played San Diego State a bunch of times. Why is this team, why is this particular team so good? Um, why is this particular team so good? Yeah, this uh, roster. You, know, why, you played against yeah. them. Why, I guess defensively, why are they so good? And why teams go up against them, and it just seems like they've never seen anything like this. And then they get dragged into the muck, and they're playing games uh, that they're not used to playing. Yeah. So you know, in my mind, uh, I, three reasons that San Diego State is in the Final Four right now. Um, one, they guard better than just about anybody in the country. Always going to give themselves a chance especially in tournament play, you want that. Uh, number two, they're old. Uh, they're a very, very experienced team. Um, you know, these guys have, have, you know, been in college basketball for a long time, and that's a huge, huge advantage, um, especially once again in the tournament. So you see kind of this perfect storm brewing. Uh, and then I think the number three reason is is Coach Dutcher there. So their coach is somebody who – notices and senses all that um all of those things and puts them in great positions to be successful but mainly the fact that they're able to guard and you ask well why can they guard they have the ability at just like nba teams to switch one through five um nate mensa doesn't get enough credit and even if he does get credit for this it's still not enough just having played against him he's got the best lateral quickness out of a five man in the country or actually that I've ever played against. Um, we had, we had practices where, uh, you know, coach Kruger would say, I'm not daring you to try to take Mensa one-on-one when I say they're going to switch five, don't do it. It's just yeah. it, like percentage wise, he wins that battle almost every single time. It's incredible. And he deserves a lot of credit for being able to do that because most, most five men don't want to get near the three point line. They touch it for the, ball screen hedge and then they sprint back down to where they're comfortable nate mensa can guard any single any position at any time on the court um and you'll see it watch them watch them move here in the final four and there will be possessions where he guards three four all five people in one possession it's incredible it's crazy um jordan where should people go check out your stuff tiktok you got uh, somewhere else that you want people to check out uh yeah no all social medias is jordan mccabe five uh just uh Keep an eye on me there. Uh, don't take everything I say too seriously or seriously at all. <laughs> all right, Jordan. Hey, we appreciate the extended spot. Thank you, guys. There he is, Jordan McCabe, the uh, former UNLV guard. And I, I've i said about Nathan Mentz of the 6'11 center for San Diego State that, he, he, like Jordan just said, no one has any appreciation for it because you're not on the floor as a guard or a 6'6 guy. Um, he can cover point guards. He's 6'11. And Bryce Hamilton last year got to the basket. Anytime he wanted against anyone last year, he could not friggin' turn the corner almost ever against the big man switching on to him as he was going towards the hole, could not turn the corner on him. That's how good he is. And in college, that is a ridiculous advantage. Cofield and Company is live on the road in Houston for the 2023 College Basketball Semifinals. Presented by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. 
Michael takes it off the right boards. Pressured on the near side. Sends it in front. Waugh all by himself. Stop rebound. He scores. Nicholas Waugh in overtime. Knights four. Oilers three. Dazzling puck handling in front for Nicholas Waugh. Now back to Cofield and Company live at LV Ballpark on SPN Las Vegas. Yep, we are all over town getting ready for a UNLV baseball game. We're right next to City National as the uh, Oilers mentioned in the highlight there by Duva are in town for a 7 o'clock puck drop. Darren Millard is with us. Darren, how you doing, buddy? You guys could have come over and bought me a coffee. Are you right there? No, I'm at the big rink, T-Mobile, the Fortress, okay. getting ready for this back-to-back of a home-and-home. Okay. I love it. So let's talk about what's been going on of late. Uh, since we talked last, three straight wins. Overall, it's four straight wins. And uh, break down that game at Edmonton. Uh, they got the job done. Well, here's the fascinating part. Uh, we all agree Edmonton's got the two best players in the league, uh, the best player in the planet, right? Yep. All right. That was the fewest shots allowed on the road trip was against the Edmonton Oilers. It was, that was fascinating to me how they put three new players in the lineup, uh, including a goaltender, a defenseman that had played 21 games, uh, and, and a forward coming off the, uh, the injured list. And that was arguably their most impressive defensive effort that I've seen all year, given the quality of the opposition. Now, they've routed some teams that controlled the pocket times, an Anaheim shutout here at T-Mobile uh, just uh, around the new year. But when you consider what they were up against, and to only allow 23 shots at even strength, that was that was pretty darn impressive and gives uh, a lot of confidence that they would match up well should they uh, come up against the Edmonton Oilers. Now, the Oilers have still won more points uh, head-to-head this year, but I, I think that there's, uh, there's a strong boost of confidence there. So, Darren, you've been doing this, obviously, much longer than we have. I have... Hold a- on, hold on. You know what that means? That you've been covering hockey you're longer than calling me old. No. That's another fancy, smancy way of you calling your guest old. No. Cofield, back me up on this. No, it means that, like, if I were to say I've been covering college basketball longer or boxing, then I have. Doesn't make now you're me bragging. old. Now no, you're bragging. Now you're bragging. You're calling me old, right. and now I'm, you're bragging on that I'm part. Cofield, what, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? You just take over the interview. I'm tired of this guy. <laughs> You know what? Listen, so much, so much angst every Tuesday. All, all you, of a sudden, I want you guys to get along. All of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden, once a week, if I tune in in the morning, I hear this guy treat Tyler Bischoff like a voodoo doll. All of a sudden, I become Bischoff. <laughs> okay, continue with your question. I apologize. Um, I take issue with the people that like it's become a narrative about the Pacific Pacific Division. There's just such a weak division. It's this, it's this. Like it's almost as if it's just the narrative, so everybody just says it all the time, but. 8-2-0, the three teams that are in the playoffs right now, if the playoffs were to start tomorrow, they're the three hottest teams in the league collectively. Why? Yeah, I mean, is the Pacific Division that bad? You just mentioned that the two best players in the league are on Edmonton. The Kings are having a revival year. The Golden Knights are doing this without Stone. I beg to differ. Pacific Division's pretty damn good. Yeah, 24-4-4. Uh, three teams combined uh, in in the last ten uh, for for each club. Uh, I, I think it's one of the comeback stories of the year. If you look at the league collectively, 
And I don't know whether anybody was off the base and questioning uh, the Pacific Division at the start of the year. The best team in the division uh, that, that you look at uh, over the last number of years didn't make the playoffs last year right, right, right. in the Vegas Golden Knights. And, uh, and you had a Calgary team that had gone through massive roster changes. Uh, Edmonton is bringing a new goaltender. Uh, what, uh, what were the LA Kings going to do? Could they take a, a big jump the way they did last year, or whether would they level off a little bit? I think there were some legitimate questions about the Pacific Division at the start of the year. But through the course of the season, it's really made a statement from a right. quality of play standpoint to the point that Seattle just like blends into it. And Seattle, if it was any other year or if what happened six years ago hadn't occurred, Seattle would be one of the talking points of, of, of the National Hockey League, a second-year team about to make the, the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, it, it's acquitted itself really, really well. And if, but it, it's easy to miss if, if, you're, if you're not front and center like we are right. or you're not, uh, you're not doing your homework. It's one of those easy ones to slough off. Right, and you're right about the beginning of the year. It's just like I said, I, I just always get irritated by people that don't pay attention, but when it when they decide to talk hockey, the narrative, they just figure the narrative that's always, oh, it's, that must be the narrative. Let's just carry on about Pacific. But you know what else is impressive? How about the Minnesota Wild taking over the Central, and they got a showdown tomorrow in Denver. It's a yeah, pretty, that's I, a nice little race over there. I thought the, the Central Division was the more mysterious at the start of the year, to be mm. quite honest. Yeah. Because the, there were so many carryover of bumps and bruises with the Colorado Avalanche. Who would jump up and seize that division? For a while, it was Winnipeg. They were first of all. Uh, Dallas has been the most consistent. And then you've got this late charge from the Minnesota Wild, who I didn't think would be able to offset uh, the loss of offensive power. Uh, this year to make the playoffs, and, and they've proven me wrong. Uh, they've also got a heck of a performance out of a goaltender that they didn't even want in the trade. Uh, and, and Ottawa should never have dealt in Philip Gustafson. Uh, he was almost a throw-in in the uh, Cam Talbot uh, swap. Uh, he's, he's had uh, one of those breakout years. Uh, and, and they've done this last stretch without their best player, the most dynamic player in franchise history in Kirill Kaprizov. Uh, I've, I've been impressed with what, uh, what Dean Evans has done. And I, I talk about Dean a lot. Uh, we're from the same town. Uh, we, we, we've known each other for a long time. He's as intense as anybody in the league. I put him right there with, with Bruce Cassidy. Uh, they've taken on a bit of his, uh, his personality here without Kaprizov. Talking to Darren Millard, voice of the Golden Knights. You can see him tonight, pregame, in between periods, postgame analysis, Golden Knights hosting Edmonton at T-Mobile. So, um, Darren, Vegas just keeps defying the odds. I mean, every yeah. time we look up, it's like, you know, they, they go out of town and what? Oh, Logan Thompson first came back injured. Riley Smith, now he's, you know, undisclosed amount of time. Um, what are your concerns and what are things that out with what they've proved everybody wrong that, hey, you know what? I'm not too concerned about it. Well, the ability to score is is one thing that uh, that is amazing with this hockey club because they don't have one of those guys who's just running away with a team scoring title uh, right now. It's Jack Eichel, it's uh, Chandler Stevenson, uh, and then you got a couple other guys, Riley Smith and Jonathan Marshall, goal scoring uh, in that department. But but this is a by committee team uh, that, that that scores a bunch of goals. 
Uh, but they also have a game breaker. So I love, I love both sides of it. That Eichel can turn it on, and that was the most electrifying performance of his time in Vegas that I've watched, uh, and I, I've watched them all, uh, was his performance against uh, the Edmonton Oilers. He okay. took it up another level, both in pace, both intensity, both uh, wanting the puck, uh, both uh, in uh, engagement, and yeah. I, I think he's been good. Uh, but I, I think Jack Eichel saw a taste of the playoffs closest he's ever been, and and he loved uh, what he had. And then this blue line, guys, uh, if if, they, if they've got that top six together, and uh, they'll they'll be back together tonight, uh, th- that gives them a chance to win any hockey game. It's uh, unbelievable uh, how much uh, their record is tilted in their favor when they've got those top six. So, uh, goaltending by committee, uh, offense. Somewhat by committee, but with a superstar and and the best defense, the the deepest defense in the National Hockey League. You mentioned the big boys, uh, but it's just been it's been just as key to have some of the new names, the young guys, all season consistently, and whoever's had to play next man up when those big guns they're getting contribute. Like you said, scoring by committee, but that goes deeper than just the sec first and second line. It's going down to some guys that you wouldn't really expect. No, and, and, and here's uh, something. Look, look at the numbers on Brett Howden. When Brett Howden is in the lineup and when Brett Howden missed a bunch of time. Some of that coincided with their blue line being banged up, but it's pretty influential what this guy means to the team because of how it allows Bruce Cassidy to put everybody in the right spot and and just have a solid uh, depth and, and give – it's, it's, it's as much of a four-line team as I've seen in Vegas, from year number one to now, and, and the deepest team uh, being able to score. Uh, Dorfiev coming up has done a good job. Barbershev has fit in on that top line. He's been there since the start uh, with Eichel and, and Marcia So, so I, I think uh, they're depth. Now, one, one thing I, I will give them credit uh, is, is they find ways to come out on the right side. And that's, that's a cliche, yeah, but it's also, look at the one-goal games that they play. They've got more one-goal wins than anybody else in the National Hockey League. It's, it's not just that you go in expecting to win, but they just find that one extra play that, that you hope can, can keep going. It's, there's a belief factor with this team that we haven't seen in a couple of years. Darren, uh, before we let you go, I just wanted to let you know that I received a text about 20 minutes ago. Someone will be in town this weekend, and he said to let Millard know he's coming for him. Uh, Revo checked in. They're on their way to Denver, but he did say, I'm coming for Millard. Oh, really? Oh, bring it on, Revo. (laughs) Wow. That sounded like a threat. Come on, because I can tell you one thing. If I'm anywhere near a car, he's not going to be able to catch me. (laughs) There you go. I, oh, yeah. I, can, I can guarantee you, guarantee you that. Why doesn't Cofield ask me uh, questions? Why? Why does? I was going to skip out on these conversations. I was going to ask you a question. Uh, we've got thirty seconds left. Is everything okay on your show? I noticed that RTHG took a load management day yesterday. Is everything good? You guys getting along? Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know what that was all about. It's it's kind of strange. It's the hockey season, and then we took a load management day in the middle of the hockey season. I would like to do that, but my contract prevents that. So nice. I'm going to have to investigate and poke the bear on that one a little bit. I don't poke the bear. Trust me. Really? You don't want to, you don't want to poke the bear. No. What you're the, the ultimate bear pack poker? That's that's what you do. No, 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 no. When people want to you take are, a day off, you're the the ultimate <laughs> bear poker. I never get on people for taking days off. If they need a day off, take a day off. 
You are a cattle prod expert. No, not at all. Ooh, cattle prod. Darren, just ever remember. Hit, ever been hit with one of those? That doesn't just, hurt. Just, that stings mightily. Work to live. Live to work. Yep. You live to work. Come on, man. All right, Darren, thank you. There you go. There's a bunch of questions there. Yeah, there bunch. you go. Know.